0: Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Continue the series about faith that overcomes. Anybody been enjoying us talking about faith that overcomes? And it's interesting Not only have I been talking about this about two months, but Dad's talked about it, and Keith Moore was here, and he talked about faith, uh, because faith's an important subject. How many know faith is the most important thing I think you should learn about in your Bible because you cannot receive anything from God apart from faith? And we realize that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Faith helps you to receive from God. Faith makes you whole. Faith pleases God. I think it would be probably the most important thing we could hear about is the message of faith. And we are faith people. This is a faith church. And um, I, I love hearing about faith. There's nothing like it. And when I started this series two months ago, I felt like God was saying, you need to preach on faith again because people need strengthened and encouraged in their faith. Because there's a lot of people that have been in this church a long time, but how many know if you don't hear about it, sometimes your faith will start getting weaker or you forget what you've been taught about faith. And I felt strongly you need to go back over the basics of faith, the ABCs of faith, and reinforce that in our church. And every time I do, it just strengthens and encourages me personally, and I think it does the same for you, to hear those basic, simple things about faith because it's easy to let them slip. So we're talking this morning about real faith. Everybody say real faith. faith. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 5 in the New Living, it says, The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. Notice that this is Paul speaking to Timothy, his son in the faith. He says this is what his instruction is, that, that you would have love that comes from a pure heart. He's talking to believers here. A clear conscience and a genuine faith. A genuine faith. So this morning we're going to talk about real faith. So in this passage it talks about Paul wanting Timothy to have a genuine faith. Now, if you read in the King James Version, which a lot of you still do, no offense, but uh, there's better versions out since the 1600s when King James was invented, more modern translations that would help you understand it a little bit better. But in the original, or in the King James, that's not the original, but in the King James it says that he had unfeigned faith. Ain't nobody know what unfeigned means. But what it means, if you look up the word unfeigned faith, it means a genuine, sincere faith. And the New Living actually translates it like this, that you would have a genuine faith. So let's look at that word when Paul said to Timothy, I want you to have a genuine or unfeigned faith. That word means, of course, genuine faith. Another way to say it is that you would have true faith. Honest faith, sincere faith, or probably the most modern way to say it is that you would have real faith. And Paul said to Timothy, I want you to have a pure heart and a clean conscience, but I want you to have a real faith. A genuine, a true, a honest, a sincere faith. And that was Paul's heart to Timothy that he would have a real faith in my heart for you and for me is that we would have a real faith. So today we're going to talk about real faith, what's real and what's fake. Cuz there's a difference and there's a lot of Christians walking around with a fake faith. It's not real. It looks like it's real, but it's not. It feels like it's real, but it's not. Sounds like it's real, but it's not. So how do we know that? Well, God wants you to have a real faith. True. Honest, sincere, and genuine. <clears throat> so, there's this term, especially, I, I know what people mean when they say it, and I probably said it before too, but even in the Christian community, when people are kind of struggling, they say, well, you got to fake it till you make it. Pertaining to faith. Like, I know you don't got it together, but you got to fake it till you make it, or you got to faith it till you make it. I know what you're saying, But there's nothing about faith that's fake. And God does not want you to fake it till you make it. He wants it to be real, genuine, and sincere, not faking it and being a phony, and then one day you're going to fall into faith somehow supernaturally. No, he doesn't want you to fake it. And people say that because faith is in the unseen. And you think because it's unseen, it's unreal but it's not. Actually, the realm that faith is in is in a more real realm than the realm that we live in. It's in the spirit and we're in the natural. So there's no such thing. Just because faith is in the unseen does not mean it's unreal or fake. And a lot of people think people of faith are being phony or insincere, or disingenuous, or they're being fake because it's in the unseen realm. But that's not true, because faith in the unseen is in a more real realm than where we live today. And God doesn't want you to fake it till you make it. And just because you can't see it yet does not mean it doesn't exist. Just because you can't feel it yet does not mean it doesn't exist. Faith sees into the impossible. Faith sees into the invisible. Faith sees into the unseen realm, which is a more real realm, and pulls what's not seen into the seen. Takes what's not in in the real realm into what's real. Pulls out of the invisible and brings it into the visible. Brings it out of the impossible and brings it into the possible. That's what faith does, but it doesn't mean it's not real. We just gotta fake it till you make it. You know, you know, Pastor. We just faking it until you make it. You know what? You keep living that way, you're never gonna get any results from God. Because what we're talking about at this church is not some fake pie in the sky, being phony about what we believe and then hoping something happens. That's not faith. Like we're wishing and hoping and we got a rabbit's foot in our car believing that God does something for us. That's not faith. So we don't need to fake it till we make it. We need to be real. But notice, just because it's unseen does not mean it's not real. Are you with me so far? Paul said to Timothy, I want you to have a real faith, genuine, sincere, honest. Now, many years ago, even before I was born, there was a man, and he just passed away recently, Dr. Fred Price, great man of faith, pastor to a great church in Los Angeles. He wrote a book called Faith, Foolishness, or Presumption. The whole book was about do you have real faith or not? Because in the faith community, there's a lot of teaching. That people get confused about and they think they're in faith, but they're not. They think they're being real, but they're not. So he wrote this book called Faith, Foolishness, or Presumption. And in my opinion, most believers are in presumption or foolishness. Not real faith. And then they're wondering why they're getting no results in their life. Because they're not really in real faith. They're in presumption or foolishness. Now let me give you what that means to me. Especially in a church like ours, a lot of people are in presumption. That means you assume you have faith because you've heard faith at this church. You hearing it does not mean you have it. That's the first step to having it, but it doesn't mean you're a person of faith just because you go to a faith church just because you heard faith. Now, you definitely can't have it without hearing it, but just because you heard it doesn't mean you have it. (laughs) Come on, we got a ways to go today. Help me, somebody. And so a lot of people are in presumption. What does that mean? You assume everything's just going to work out because you go to a faith church or because you hear faith messages, and then when it doesn't happen, what do they do? I don't like going to that church. That faith message isn't true. I tried to believe God and it didn't work. No, you weren't in real faith. You were in presumption. That you assumed that God was just going to do something just because you heard a message on faith. But you don't actually believe anything yet. Come on now, somebody. Help me. And then people will take steps of faith, so called, and fall flat on their face on something that God never told them to do. And then say, I don't really believe that faith message. Because you're presuming that God told you to do that, and he didn't. And then when it didn't work out, then you're mad at God. Stay with me here. Presumption. So, here's a real life example from my life. Faith, foolishness, or presumption. Is, is your faith real? the question I'm trying to answer today. Is your faith genuine, sincere, honest? Now, I've paid for most people's meals since I was about 16 years old. I still do. I don't like it when other people pay for my meal. I like to beat them to it and pay for the meal. So I, I rarely ever say, let's split the bill. I'm, I don't think I've ever said that my entire life. I'm going to pay for the food because I like paying for the food. I like blessing other people. But some people presume, (laughs) because I like to do it, (laughs) that they will fully take advantage of that lovingly gift from their pastor. So many years ago, we were going to eat at Tomo. You know Tomo. Now, if you eat at dinner time, it's way more expensive than lunchtime. So it was a bunch of us guys sitting there, and I probably was going to pay for the meal anyways. But there was one guy there who was known for kind of not bringing money to events like that, not paying and doing his part. And we got to the meal, and he had been hearing messages about faith because he went to this church, young man. And I said, well, who's going to pay for your meal? Because he ordered the chicken, shrimp, and steak, which is about $40 at Tomo at dinner time. And he said, I got faith. Somebody will just take care of it. And I wanted to say, but did God tell you that? Because God didn't tell you that. Because looks like to me you're going to be washing dishes tonight because you are presuming. Now what happened? We got through the meal, and I knew what was going to have to happen because I knew ain't nobody paying for his meal because he didn't hear that from God. He's presuming because he's heard a message on faith that he can just go into places and say, thus saith the Lord, and they're going to give him a free meal. That's not the way it works. Did God tell you to do that? Well, I'm going to buy this car. But did God tell you to? Because if he didn't, you're paying for it, not him. It's presumption. Now, if he did tell you, then he's going to help you with it. So we get to the end of the meal. He had the most expensive meal out of everyone, and we're all sitting there, and I'm going, okay, you said you got faith. Then where is the person paying for your bill? And he eventually had to say, I can't pay for it. Can you pay for it, and I paid for the meal? Presumption. Many, many, many of us have done the same thing. And then when we fall flat on our face, we call it a faith failure, which is not true had nothing to do with God, we just presume because we heard great messages about faith, we can do whatever we want, say whatever we want, and God has to back us up when he didn't even say anything to us about that specific thing. (laughs) Presumption. So is your faith real? Is it genuine? Is it honest? Or is it presumption? And I think a lot of us who grew up in church and have heard messages on faith, it's easy to get here. Why? Because you think just because you've heard it, you got it. It's a great start. That's how you get faith. But you've got to actually do something with what you're hearing for you to actually have faith. You actually have to hear from God to actually have faith. You can't just presume, because I heard it, I have it. So, church family, don't be like the guy at Tomo. Don't go out in the community and say, I'm a faith person and do stuff like that. And then you look bad and then it ruins your witness for people who are faith people. Now, if God told you to do it, then there will be fruit. in what you're saying, there will be results. You won't have to have somebody else pay for your meal if God really said. Because it's interesting. He said that God told him that, but God didn't tell me that, that I was going to be the person paying for his meal. But I did. So he didn't have to wash dishes that night. But here's the other category Christians are in. And it's more dangerous. Foolishness. If I had a penny for every Christian I saw who did foolishness and made Christians look like idiots, I would be a wealthy man today. The Bible says that Christians should be the most wise, not the most foolish. But yet I see, even on the news... Christians doing the most foolish things that even the world knows better than not doing. And it hurts us, but it also hurts our witness that we know God, who should be the wisest being in all the universe, and we say we know him and we should be wise, but yet we do foolish things and say it's God and it's faith. I'm asking the question, is your faith real, genuine, sincere, honest, or is it presumption? Or is it foolishness? This is what foolishness looks like. Somebody that God did not tell them to do this goes into a hospital and starts pulling out tubes from people saying it's God's will to heal. You're going to jail. If God told you to do that, then there would be fruit and that person would jump up. But I don't think God's telling... Random people to bust into a hospital and start pulling tubes out of people who may or may not believe anything and get people healed. But you say, well, good God's will to heal. We should be able to do it. It's foolishness. Now, if God told you to do that, then there would be fruit in it. But how about let's not practice on somebody in the ICU. Let's practice on someone with a headache. (laughs) If you're going to be foolish, do it then. They can take a Tylenol. let's be honest, word of faith people do foolish things like that and say it's faith and then they're like, well, I don't want to come to a church like that. Those people are crazy. Here's something on the extreme end. Why do people in the backwoods of West Virginia handle snakes and drink poison? They do it in the name of faith. People that do that in churches like that, they do it in the name of faith. What is that? It's foolishness. It's absolutely crazy. And then when those people die because they drank poison and they got bit by a snake, they ruin their witness. Because God never told them to do that. It's foolishness. Real faith is not foolishness. Real faith is not unwise. Real faith is not presumption or assuming Just because you heard it, you haven't. Now, here's another example of that, because I know this person specifically, they were really into extreme sports, like X-game stuff. And they rode a motocross bike. They were doing that for a season, and they knew they weren't supposed to be doing that. They had a check in their spirit. Like, I don't need to keep doing this. This is dangerous. And they kept doing it. And I know that person, for a fact, kept saying... God, I believe you for protection. And I believe the angels are going to protect me and keep me safe. And that person kept doing it and overriding that warning, and they broke their leg doing motocross. People that are against faith teaching will say, well, why didn't God protect the guy? Because the guy was being foolish. He wasn't being in faith. He was being foolish. Another example in your Bible in the Gospels Jesus went to the top of the temple with Satan and Satan said jump off God will protect you the angels of God will protect you and Jesus said I'm not going to do that why? it's foolishness it's not faith he said the scriptures say don't tempt the Lord your God now this is the other side of faith faith people we can't do foolish stuff and expect God to protect us. We can't do foolish stuff and say God will take care of it. We can't do foolish stuff and pretend that there's going to be a safety net for us when we're disobeying God and not listening to his voice. Are you hearing me this morning? Now, I fully believe if something like happened like that on an accident, God would protect you. But if you're doing it on purpose and you know better, you're in disobedience and there is no protection because you're not in faith. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? So if we want real faith, genuine, honest, sincere faith, it cannot be presumption and it cannot be foolishness. It has to be real. When I'm talking about real faith, I don't know about you, but I want to be real in my faith. Notice I didn't say perfect. I said real in my faith. Now, when I'm talking about real faith, I mean that you need to know what you believe and why you believe it, not because you were just raised that way. Not because... Okay, we live in southern Indiana, and it's a cultural thing to just go to church. I'm going to have faith. My family's this way. Our community's this way. No, you got to have a faith that's real to you because it's real to you. Now, I'm a second born, not a first born, and there's a reason for that. No shade to the firstborns in here, but firstborns do what they're told to do because they're told to do it. Right? Most of the time. Secondborns say, why? (laughs) Because I'm not going to do it if I don't agree. Right? That's the case in most families. we got a few firstborns sitting right here. They're rule keepers. They love the law of God. They do what's right because it's right. I'm a second born. I will not do it if I don't want to do it. And if you tell me to do it, I'm going to say, why? Give me a good reason why I should do it. Now, I'm not promoting rebellion in here, but I am saying, you need to have a faith, not just because you were told to have faith. You need to have a faith not just because you read your Bible and your parents told you to. You need to have a faith not just because it's a thing to do. You need to have a faith because it's real. You need to have a faith that's real to you. Now, there's a reason I'm saying it is because I don't preach to you because I'm just going to do this because this is what I do. If it wasn't real to me, I wouldn't be at this church. Okay, Because I'm a second born. I want to know why. I want to know how come. I want to know, explain it to me. And even if I agree or disagree, I may or may not do it. Because I want it to be real. It's not a bad thing, that part of it. I want it to be real. And if I didn't believe in real faith, I wouldn't be your pastor today. Trust me, I wouldn't. If I didn't think what we're doing at Sunday or on a Wednesday or in life groups wasn't important, I wouldn't talk about it. I wouldn't be here. I I don't go to church out of sympathy for God. I don't have a faith out of compassion for my family. I'm here because it's real to me. Or I wouldn't be here. And I'm saying that for a reason. You need to have the same attitude and mindset. Don't do it for somebody else. Do it because it's real to you. Have a faith because it's real to you. And if it's not real, let's get it real today. Because God does not want us going around in a bunch of Christians having fake, phony faith. Because it's the thing to do. My family's this way, and our community is this way, and this is the. No. We're all adults in here. We can think for ourselves. Don't do it for those reasons. Do it because it's real to you. And God wants it to be real to you. Your faith. God cares that we have a real, honest, sincere, and genuine faith. Trying to say today, I'm not here because I'm going through the motions. And neither should you be. I'm not here for that. I can't vouch for everyone else. That's the reason for being here. But I'm not here doing this because this is what I do. No, this is what I want to do. Because it's real to me. And it should be real to you. Your worship life should be real to you. Your Bible time should be real to you. Your time at church and life groups should be real to you. And God's looking for real faith. Genuine, sincere, and honest So as we go a little bit further, we're going to talk about real faith. Here's something. Here's a good place to start, and we're going to turn to 2 Timothy 1 in verse 5. Paul speaking to Timothy, notice what he says. I remember your genuine faith. Same word. For you share the faith that was first filled with your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I know the same faith continues strong in you. But notice he uses the same word he used in 1 Timothy. He said, you have genuine faith. What does genuine mean again? Real, honest, sincere. But he says, Timothy... This faith was in your grandmother and your mother first. Here's the first thing I want to say. Real faith can be caught, not just taught. Real faith can be caught, not just taught. Paul said to Timothy, I see a genuine faith in you. In you didn't get that faith faith from just anywhere. You got it from your grandmother and your mother because they had real faith. You have real faith. Now, of course, like I just said, Timothy had to make it his own, but he got a leg up because someone around him had real faith. Real faith today can be caught, not just taught. If we want to have real faith, get around people with real faith. And once you get around them, that will rub off on you and you can make it your own. That's why it's so important that you get into church. You're here this morning because you're around some people that have real faith. And our real faith can rub off on you. And your real faith can rub off on me and strengthen me. That's why it's important that we go to life groups. Because faith, real faith, is imparted to other people. And they receive real faith. Real faith can be caught, not just taught. Are you here today? Now let me speak to some parents and some grandparents in here. You want your kids to have real faith? Don't just bring them to church. That's a good place to start. They definitely won't get it outside of church. But the people that I've seen go the wrong direction wasn't because they didn't come to church. It's because at their house, there was no one with real faith. Now, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Let's talk about it. I've seen it happen many, many times. The kid was at church every service. But when they left and when they did their own thing, a lot of times they said, yeah, I got a lot out of church, but my parents didn't live it at home. And since they didn't have real faith, it wasn't real to me. Your kids don't need you to be perfect, but they do need you to have real faith. Come on, grandparents and parents in here. And that real faith will get imparted to them. Real faith doesn't mean you're perfect. Real faith means you're real about your life and your relationship with God. And you're not doing it because you have to. You're doing it because you want to. You're not just going through the motions because you need to. You do it because you love God and your faith is real. That does not mean you don't struggle. That does not mean you don't have issues, but it means it's real to you. The reason I have the faith I have today is because of these two right here. It's not just me. Yes, of course, I had to make it my own, but it started with them. If they weren't real about it, I wouldn't be in church. Why? Because I'm a second born. Because I won't just do the phony just to do it. Some other people will. I won't. Because we want it to be real. So real faith can be caught, not just taught. Let's look at another passage. Mark 9, 23. Are you getting something today? The next thing I want to share is real faith is honest faith. One of the definitions of genuine is honest. Real faith is honest faith. So let's read this verse. Mark 9, 23. Now the context of this is Jesus was about to cast the devil out of this man's son. And he asked the dad a question. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked, anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Now there's a reason I read this verse because real faith is honest faith. In this passage here, Jesus asked this man, Do you believe that I can deliver your son? And the man had an honest answer. He said, I do believe, but help my unbelief. And if you read the rest of the story, the man's son was delivered. God is looking for honest faith, He respects honest faith. A faith that doesn't say, I have it all together. A faith that says, I do believe, but God, I still have some areas in my life of unbelief. And that's not faith to talk that way, because honest faith is real faith. God would rather you be honest than dishonest, because he cannot help you if you're not honest about where you really are. This is how this looks in my life. I'll say it as your pastor. There's areas in my life I do believe, but there's other areas in my life I have some unbelief and I need help. And so do you. And until you're honest about that, you can't get these areas fixed. Instead of saying, no, God, I got it all together. I believe everything. I believe the word. No. You do believe in some areas, but you don't believe in this area. And that's okay. But be honest enough to say it so God can help you and you can renew your mind and build your faith till you do believe in that area. Real faith is honest faith. Just like even saying something like this, when there's something really big you need to believe God for, And you know you don't have enough faith for it right now. It's not wrong to say, I don't think I can believe God for that right now. I'm going to grow my faith and then believe later. Being honest enough to say that God can help you instead of saying, I'm going to believe God. And then you fail and then you blame God. Right? God is looking for honest faith. The thing about God is God already knows where you're at. It's just you need to admit it to him so he can help you. (laughs) So I love this man. He says, Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. And that man's son was healed, delivered, because he was honest to Jesus about his faith. And I know for most of you in here, there's a lot of areas in your life you do believe. But be honest enough to tell the areas to God that you need help in your unbelief. And when you do, God will help you. And when you do, you can get stronger in that area. For instance, for me, money's not a problem to me. Oh, pastor, they paying you good around here? I didn't say that. It never has been. I have faith for money personally and for our church. But there's other areas in my life I need help in. I don't have strong faith in this area. I got good faith on money for the church and for me personally. But in this area, I need some help. So how do I fix that? Not saying, God, I don't have an issue. Saying, God, I need help in this area. I'm going to be honest with you. I need to get stronger in faith in this area. God, I believe, but help my unbelief. You guys get something today? Real faith is honest faith. Let's keep going here. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5. You guys get something this morning? 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 5. Notice what it says. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Sounds like you're being honest with yourself. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. Notice it says examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. The next thing I want to share is real faith can be tested. Real faith can be tested. But notice the language here. Paul says, examine your your neighbor. No. No. Uh, Examine your pastor. No. Examine your husband or wife. No. Examine yourselves, whether you're in the genuine faith. Test yourselves. Or we could say, be honest with yourselves. Am I really living by faith? Real faith is important. If it wasn't, Paul wouldn't say, examine yourselves to make sure it is genuine. Examine yourself and test yourself to make sure you really are in faith and living by faith. Because if you don't, then one day you will realize that you aren't when you need it the most. We need to examine ourselves if we really believe or are we really in faith or are we just talking that way and we're not. But he says examine and test yourselves if you're really in the faith. You know, you should have a faith that is bigger than a coworker talking you out of your faith. I was a youth pastor a long time, but we used to talk about kids going off to college and one professor who doesn't know anything about anything to begin with can twist a young Christian's mind that easily. You know why? Because they didn't know what they believed and why they believed it in the first place. So a professor with a Ph.D. and some slick talk could talk them out of their faith because they never examined and tested their own faith before they got into the situation. I'm not saying there won't come things that could make you doubt or have unbelief. But I'm saying if you examine yourself and test your faith, when those things come, you'll stay in faith. Why? Because it's real. It's honest. It's sincere. It's genuine. So how do I know if I'm really in faith or really believing? I'm glad you asked that. Well, there's a verse and we're going to read it here in a second and it tells you there's two things to look for if you have real faith or you're really living by faith. You want to know what those two are? So Let's look at Romans 15 and verse 13. It says, May the God of your hope so fill you with all joy and peace in believing through the experience of your faith that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound and be overflowing, bubbling over with hope. But notice the first part. It says that God would fill you with all joy and And peace in or we could say if you are believing or if you are in faith. So when it says to examine and test your faith to see if it's real, do I really believe this? Do I really have faith for this? The Bible says there's two things that every Christian should look for in their life if they're really in faith. How do I know if it's real? If you have joy and peace, it's real. And if you don't have joy and peace, then your faith in that area is not real yet. It can get real, but it's not real yet. Goes back to what we were saying there's some areas in my life I do have joy and peace about. That means I'm believing, there's other areas I do not. And that's a red flag. God, I'm not believing you in this area. Because we can only find if we have real faith, if we have joy in peace in believing. You guys still listening this morning? But we should not be afraid to test our faith, to examine our faith. Because when it's tested, we can find out whether it's real or not. So this is what this looks like. If you're really in faith or really believing God about anything, you should have peace about it. Peace means you're not worried about it. Right? Because you're believing God's doing something about it. You're not anxious about it. Because you're really believing God will do something about it. You're not stressed about it. The Bible says faith is a rest. You're at rest about it. And it's visible that all those that are around you can see that because you believe God is taking care of that. So you have peace because you're believing. But then it says you also have joy. Joy means that you're confident. Joy means that your countenance looks joyful because you actually believe God's doing something. Joy means that even in your tone in the way you talk about it is joyful even though it's hard because you really believe that God is going to do something and make a way where there is no way in that situation. And real faith is okay with being tested. Because the test tells me whether it's real or not so I can get in faith and see the answer to the prayers that I'm praying. So we all need to be honest here. If it's real faith, if we're really believing, there will be joy and peace in our lives in that area. Now, I know the broader thing is like, yeah, if we have faith in Jesus, there should be peace and joy in our life. Yes. But I'm saying specifically with what Jesus has provided for us, the things that we need daily, do we have joy and peace about him? Because if we do not, those are the two gauges to look at whether we're in faith, whether we're believing or not. I feel like God even corrected me this last week or so about mom. Not about her, but about something I said about her. Because somebody had asked me, well, how's your mom doing? And I gave a good report. But later on, God called me out because my tone sounded a little sad. I sounded a little down about it. I didn't sound like God was doing something. And God said, if you really believed that about your mom, you wouldn't be talking about it with a sad tone in your voice to other people. And a lot of us say, well, I believe God's doing something. No, you don't. You don't believe that. Well, I believe God's going to heal me. No, you don't. Because if you did, you would have joy and peace about it because you believe God was really doing something. Well, we're going to get out of debt. No, you don't believe that. Because if you did, you would have joy and peace about it. I'm saying, as your pastor, God called me out. He said, you said what was right about your mom. It was a good report. But the tone you had was not. Because you had a little bit of woe is me tone when you were given a good report about your mom. You sounded a little sad about it. You sounded a little discouraged about it. Because if you really believed that mom was fully recovering and that her body was fully healed, and she was getting on the other side of that, you wouldn't be talking like you were pouting about it and being sad. I'm just saying what God was saying to me. I'm not saying that to you. He said, you would have said, Mom is doing great and recovering, and you would have had a little jump in your step because you were rejoicing because you know you had joy and peace because you believe that God is moving. Not, we're going to get on the other side of this. Right. <laughs> and I know why you say that because you're tired and you're weary and you don't feel good and, you know, you got a lot of pressure on your life. But catch yourself. But are you really believing then if you're talking that way? Now, this is, a, this is a, the, a, an old thing that preachers used to do to get people excited. They would say, if you get a million dollars and God gave it to you right now, how would you act? And then a couple people would take laps and a few people would be like. (laughs) But the point that they were making was real. (laughs) Because you got a lot of people in church looking like they're soured and grumpy and that the devil is on the throne and God has failed. (laughs) And then they say, we're faith people. No, you're not. Come on now, somebody. You're not. And I'm not. I've come into church looking grumpy and pouty on my face. But i got to be honest with myself. I'm not believing Jack Squat right then. We need to talk about this. If we really believe God, we will have a jump in our step and a smile on our face and peace all around us if we're really believing God and if we're not Let's test ourselves and examine ourselves and get in real faith. And notice that's not putting on. That's not being fake because if you really believe it, it's real to you. (laughs) Am I helping you in this Southern Baptist church? The two gauges you need to look on whether you're really believing, really in faith, where's your joy and where's your peace? I've got areas in my life I don't have joy and peace on right now. I need to work on that. There's other areas I do have joy and peace, that means I am believing. And once again, God's not trying to tell you to judge yourself, condemn yourself, beat yourself up over this. He's saying, I want you to examine yourself so you can get into faith, so you can turn the ship, so I can help you on this, and you will get into believing, and you'll have joy and peace. But how do I know? Do you got peace? Do you got joy? I love you as your pastor, but some of you look special during worship. You look special sometimes during the preaching of the word. And I love you because I do it myself. Sometimes I'm thinking about something else that has nothing to do with what's going on. But you got to ask yourself if you always have that response During worship, during the word, during everything else, are you really believing? If you're really believing the lyrics, you can't stand there like, Are you a person of faith? Yes, of course I am. No, you're not. If you really believed it, you would have your hands up, you would be singing you would be worshiping, you would be giving thanksgiving to God, you would be jumping, you would be shouting, you would be rejoicing, you would be crying, you would be laughing, there would be some expression, because you are believing God, there would be joy and peace. Not just internally, but that would be external. Same way with the word, same way with worship, same way with life groups, same way with everything you do for God. If you're really believing, if you're really in faith, there will be joy and peace. Not just deep down in your heart. The Bible says what is in your heart comes out. So it's not in your heart because what's coming out is grump and sadness and depression and discouragement and fear and condemnation and things that are not from God. So no, it's not down in your heart because that's not what's coming out. All right, you guys want me to come back next week? <laughs> I wouldn't say you were doing that. I was saying God was telling me I was doing that. But if the shoe fits, Where? Isn't that right? God corrects me, and I try to share with you what he's correcting me about. Come on, let's be honest with ourselves. Real faith is an honest faith. You will have joy and peace in believing. If it's real. Here's another way that our faith is tested. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. This is the last verse. Thank you for being here. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong, Through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. This passage here says that trials test our faith to see if it's genuine. He uses the example of gold. Now, gold... Still today is probably the one of the most expensive things you can have gold. But you don't know it's real gold till it goes into the fire. You don't know whether it's fake or real until it goes through the fire. This passage says that these trials are like fiery trials that come to all of us. And it shows whether our faith is real or not. Because when the heat is turned up, the difference between real gold and fake gold is shown. And even with the real gold, the impurities float to the top. And they take off the impurities so that gold will be more pure. More valuable. More But you got to go through the fire to see if it's real. Jesus said we will have trials and tribulations on this earth. Everyone. And if it's real faith, it will be tested. But if it's real, it will go through the fire and come out better than before. So don't get discouraged during trials because trials refine you. Fires and trials take off the impurities of your life and make your faith of more value, your faith more precious. But you don't know if it's real until you go through the fire. But real faith can be tested, and it's okay with that. I got two stories to tell you. One was, I was in Mexico one time with Dad, and I found this stand in a market that had high-end bags. Gucci, Louis Vuitton, Prada, And I thought, oh my gosh, Dad, I just found a $30 get-out-of-town Louis Vuitton bag. And it was like one of those bags where you could put your your books and your computer in. I was like, oh my gosh, we have hit the jackpot. This stand has all these high-end bags that are worth thousands of dollars for $30 this is insane so we bought it for $30 he didn't discourage me he acted like it was real (laughs) within an hour the strap broke within a few hours the whole bag fell apart but I didn't realize the bag was real or fake until it was tested. <laughs> you know, there's another story I heard recently, and I was just telling Dad about this yesterday. You know, they're they're really getting into making alternative meats in the world. Don't get me on this subject. So, as you know, there's... Black bean burgers and (laughs) quinoa burgers, flaxseed burgers and celery burgers, impossible burgers. There's all these meat alternatives. But I was watching on CNN the other day. There's this new high-tech meat they're making. People like Bill Gates and, and Jeff Uh, Bezos, who does Amazon, is funding this, putting billions of dollars behind this company. I'm not lying. Look it up. They have found, this is crazy. What are we coming to in 2021? (laughs) There's two scientists in Montana that went to Yellowstone National Park. I'm not making this up. And they found fungus in the hot springs where the geysers flow out of. They took that fungus back to their place and started growing fake meat. <laughs> yes. And now they have turned this company. We're talking billions of dollars are behind this company. It's called Fi. Look it up. F-Y. Fi. Fi meat. And now they've taken this fungus that they found in the Yellowstone geyser and are making fake chicken nuggets, fake hamburgers, fake filets, fake all sorts of stuff out of this fungus they found in Yellowstone National Park because they think that's the wave of the future and that's how they're gonna feed billions of people in the future is this fungus they found. What is my point in telling you this? You only know it's real when it's tested. Trust me, I don't care what you put in that fungus. When you taste it, you know the difference between a grass fed American cow and a fungus from Yellowstone National Park. But you only know the difference because they looked the same, they smelled the same, they were very similar, but it's not the same. But you only knew it was real until it was tested. I don't care how you dress up fungus from Yellowstone Park. It will never be grass-fed American beef. God bless them. But notice, you got all these fake alternatives, but you don't know which one's real until it's tested. Peter says you don't know whether your faith is real or not until it's tested. And when you go in the trial, that trial will either destroy you or it will make you better. It will prove that your faith was fake or your faith was real. Notice that we need to stop judging each other for going through stuff. The Bible says we will. We will go through trials and tribulations and things. It's not the trial that matters. It's how you go through it, how you get on the other side of it. What happens in you in the middle of it is what matters, not that you're going through stuff. We have this funny idea that faith people will never go through any challenges, and that's not true. It's how we go through them determines whether we're we're a person of faith. It's when we're left standing determines whether we're a person of faith. It's how our faith becomes realer and purer and more precious through that determines whether we're a person of faith, not that we went through it. Because the Bible says we will. And it says it will prove that we are genuine. It's the same example that Jesus gave in the Gospels when he said that there was a house built on the sand and there was a house built on the rock. They looked the same. The only way they found out who was built on the right thing is when it was tested. One house fell, and one house was still standing because their house was built on real faith. Let me read this verse one more time, and we're going to close here. 1 Peter 1, 6, and 7. So be truly glad there is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested. As fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is more precious than mere gold. So, when your faith, notice, remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. I'm gonna close with these thoughts and appreciate you being here today talking about real faith. Real faith can be tested. But it's interesting to know, they talk about fire and trials going together, or a fiery trial. Not only can fire purify gold, but I think it's alluding back to the Old Testament with the three Hebrew boys when their faith was tested. If you watch VeggieTales, you would know their names are Rakshak and Benny. But what happened, those three Hebrew boys had real faith. And their faith was challenged. Their faith was tested. And they had to make a decision. Notice their faith didn't keep them out of the fire. But it brought them through the fire. Now, I love it when God completely avoids the furnace. How many know we'll all take that, and God has done that? But sometimes God is with us through it, and when we come out, we're better on the other side. Our faith is more valuable on the other side. Our faith is more precious on the other side. Our faith is stronger on the other side. Like the Bible says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, He is with me, going through it with me to get me to the other side. But think about these three Hebrew boys. They went in the fire. A trial. And the enemy sent it to destroy their faith. But God used it to purify their faith. He used it to make it more valuable and stronger and better because of what they went through. And it says the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, The king turned up the fire so hot that the guards were burned just by being by the fire. And it says, when they went into the fire, there was a fourth man there with them. Who looked like the son of God. Because God says you will go through these things because you live in a fallen world, but you're not alone. You're not by yourself. I'm in the fire with you. I'm not sitting on my throne in heaven, ignoring what you're going through. I'm right in the middle of it with you, and I'm going to bring you to the other side. And it says that they saw four people in there, not just three. And they said, Didn't we just throw three in there? He said, Yeah, but there's a fourth one who looks like the Son of God. And then they brought them out of the fire, and their faith wasn't diminished, their faith wasn't destroyed, their faith was actually stronger. How many know if you went through that the rest of your life, you couldn't forget that. You're like, oh, I can believe God for anything now. Somebody tried to rotisserie me. And I lived through it. I can believe God for anything now. Because if he was with me there, he will be with me through the next situation and the next trial and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Because he was with me in the fire, he will be with me everywhere else. And if he got me through this, he will get me through everything else. And our faith will be proven to be real, not fake. But I love this. Because of what they went through, they got the king's attention and were a witness to other people and changed everyone around them because they went through it and they were not consumed. How many know it's important that we make it through these trials, church family, because people are looking at you. Your family's looking at you. Your coworkers are looking at you. Your community's looking at you. And they're seeing what's happening when you're going through these fiery trials. And when you come out the other side, they're saying, their God is the God who's real. Their faith is the faith that's real. And if God could do that for them, he could do it for me. And you could be a witness to many people because they saw you go through the trial and come out the other side. So, it's not that you went through it, it's how you go through it. It's that you're still standing on the other side of it. But people are looking. But there's one little tiny footnote in there, and it says, But they came out and they didn't even smell like smoke. They didn't even smell like smoke. Contrary to popular belief, and excuse my language when I say this, you can go through hell and not smell like hell. You can go through hell and not live like hell the rest of your life. You can go through hell and not be a victim the rest of your life. You can go through the fire and not be a traumatic victim the rest of your life. You can go through hell and not be depressed the rest of your life. You can go through hell and not be a victim the rest of your life. You can go through it, but you don't got to smell like it. But what do we want to do? We want to still smell like it so we have people's sympathy. But God wants you to do so much more for you than just bring you through it. He doesn't want you to even smell like it anymore. He doesn't want you to even know that you had a past anymore. He doesn't even want people to know that there was trauma in your background. He wants you to be so healed and so made new, and so restored, and so much better, you're not the same person you were before. So even though you went through it, you don't smell like it. And you don't talk like it. And you don't act like it because you don't walk with a limp anymore. And you don't smell like you've been through stuff anymore. And you don't talk like you've been through stuff anymore because God has so healed you and delivered you, you're now a witness to other people. I'm preaching 150 times better than anybody's responding today. He said they didn't even smell like smoke. I don't know about you, but that's where I want to be. I don't like talking about stuff that we've been through as a family. And I won't forever. I do it only to give you a testimony. But you know what? There's some areas in my life I still smell like smoke. And that wasn't for the cigarettes I had before I came in here. Choking, <laughs> choking. Choking. <laughs> There is, and I think there's some areas in your life you do too. Don't put up with it. Yeah, you went through it, but it's over. Let God heal you, and let's move on with our life. Let God restore you. Let God make things new. Let God do what he said he would do in his word, and you can go through the fire and not even smell like smoke. But that only happens if you have real faith. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.